0: Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, in Ahmadahu, when a stay in a who, when a stark fiddle who, when Minubihi, when a towaka do a lay. When all the Billa, he means Shuru, at Malena, Maya de la, Mudilla, but Mayulun, who fellah, Hadiella, when a Shadwalla, Ilaha, Illa, Law, who wah to Hula, Sharikala, when a Shadwana, Sidana, was wa Muhammadana, Abduhu, or a Sulu, and So inshallah, tonight actually I will not be doing any uh, Ramadan reminder because there's so many verses left uh, that I wanted to cover in the second Jews of Qur'an al-Kareem, including verses that will be specifically talking about the month of Ramadan. Uh, And then I will also finish up some aspects of Sayyidina Nabi Adam alayhis salam in the second talk, and then we will move on to discuss Sayyidina Nuh alayhis salam So, inshallah, we will, you know, I will be trying, inshallah, to do 15 juz this year, in this month of Ramadan, covering selected verses of the first 15 juz of Qur'an. And if we remain alive and Allah gives us tawfiq next year in Ramadan, inshallah, we'll do the second half or the second 15 juz. So where we had left off was Surah baqarah and I had stopped at verse 177. So verse 177 is known as Ayatul-Birr because of the very start of this ayah, where Allah سبحانه و says in Quran الكريم: "Alaikum alaheemina shaitoonirajimim ismanallahhumanaheem leesal birra." So it is not bare, merely that you turn your faces in worship towards the east and the west. So this is a general teaching Allah taala was mentioning, that piety isn't just about the direction in which you worship. But the historical context of the verse is that at that time, when the believers, they had migrated and made hijrah to Medina Manawara they observed that the Jews were praying westward and the Christians were praying eastward and the Muslims were praying towards Makkah Makarama then the importance of this ayah is, is considered a one long ayah and you would see also and this is something maybe I should point out also some stylistic features here in Surah Baqarah that ayat of Quran vary quite a lot in length if you just look at 175, 176 are Medium length, and 177 is a very long ayah of Quran Al-Karim. And some these long ayat are such that they on their own could be recited inside Salah. So Allah wa ta'ala is going to explain what exactly bir is. If you want a one ayah definition of what is virtue and what is piety, and the people who have this, they are known as abrar, abrar. They are the people of bir, the people of bir. So al However, piety, virtue, righteousness is to be found in whom, Man, any and every such person. Number one, Billahi, That they have Iman and belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the last day means the whole concept of a hereafter. A concept of a day of reckoning. A concept of a day of judgment. A concept of something to live for. The last day, a concept of the finality of this world. That this world is not the be-all and end-all of our purposes. Of existence, and that there's going to be a day that comes after which we will actually begin our true life and our true purpose of existence. Well the and all of the angels, well kitabi, and here it's in singular and other verses of the Quran it comes in plural, so it means in all the truly revealed scriptural revelations in books. When Nabien and each and every single one of the true prophets of Allah So these are the five critical articles of faith, faith in God, the last day the angels, the book or all the revealed books and all of the prophets and the this, this same list of five comes in uh, a hadith, so you can, can say these are the five pillars of Iman and the five pillars of Islam you already know, the first of which is Iman itself and then Salah Salam, Zakat and Hajj okay, so that is the first aspect of being a person of Bir what's the next thing, immediately immediately after these core articles of belief, basically it means you can combine it all, that the first aspect of being a person of better to have iman. The second, mala ala hubbihi, that they give away their wealth, their assets, the things of the dunya that they worked hard to earn and possess. Ala hubbihi, even though they love it, even though they're attached to it, even though they're fond of it, even though they're enamored of it, they're willing to give away their wealth. And who are they willing to give that wealth away to? And this is something I did earlier for you when we did the uh, selected verses from the first Jews. They will kurba, their near relatives will yatama, orphans will masakin the destitute and very poor, wabnas sabil and the wayfair. Now what does this mean? This means that if there's somebody who's a traveler and because of the hardship of travel or the uncertainties of travel or something unpredictable that may happen to them when they're traveling, they need Need some financial support it's not just it's not to give a wealthy traveler it's a traveler who is in need because they're on a journey so you can help them out wasa'ilina and those who ask وَفِالْرِقَابَ And those who were in the bond of slavery, at, and this is something that's a very long topic, but this is something that the Deen of Islam phased out by creating many, many rewards for emancipating and freeing slaves. So the concept of slavery was something that Islam inherited from pre-Islamic times. And the first thing that Islam did was to elevate at a maximal level the rights of the slaves and the treatment of the slaves, then to extremely strongly recommend the freeing of slaves, such that the people of piety and virtue over the course of uh, a few centuries were able to then finally end. Uh, 99.99% of aspects of slavery uh, were ended uh, in, the Muslim, uh, in Muslim history. And then comes the acts of worship. So there's Iman, but before the acts of worship or Ibadat comes this notion of sacrifice, this notion of empathy, this notion of feeling for the rest of humanity, this notion of feeling for the poor. And then comes Salah. And the critical thing is that why is it sandwiched? Because the person who does this for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So one is being good for the sake of being good And more often people who claim they are good for the sake of being good 90% of them are good because they like to view themselves as good And they want to be viewed by others as being good Both of those things So there's the ujub, there's a the vanity and conceit And then there's a the pride and arrogance and riyah and ostentation and display But the person who does good for this reason, that they're not doing it for... To, for creation to look upon them fondly or praise them, they're not doing it so that they can praise themselves and view themselves to be good they're doing it only due to their iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their iman in Yom al-Akhir and, their, and they also couple that with the ibadat that are following and that is the most noble virtuous type of charity and empathy for humanity, the empathy for humanity that is based on the fact that humanity is the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. the empathy for humanity, the love for humanity because they are the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is obviously something only a person of iman can have but then after this then the ayah concludes with the different acts of worship wa so they regularly firmly establish their salah and they give their zakah Will mufuna Ida and they completely fulfill and honor any covenants, pledges, pacts, contracts, deals they make any and every time whensoever Ida whensoever Ahodu they make such a pact or agreement. So that's another aspect of being a person of beer, that you it, because it's part of h- being human to have interpersonal relations, to have interactions, to have sometimes transactional relationships with other human beings, and to fulfill those oaths and pledges and transactions. Was basai wa So another aspect in this has come before that they endure with patience. What basai and zara'i. So basai means uh, a hardship, a suffering, and some of the commentators take that to mean specifically financial hardship. So you can say poverty or difficult times or financial uncertainty. And the second thing, the ra, the ra can refer to some non-financial hardship. It might be sickness. It might be, you know, uh, some type of other type of calamity. Wahin al bas, and wahin al bas can be understood to mean a larger stressful situation a time of peril maybe they're refugees maybe they're in a war afflicted area maybe there's some other disaster so in a time of peril and disaster so the verse is basically building up step by step and who are the people of Baird? they're sabirin during any and all of these things any and every level, scope, scale of calamity, distress, death, trial, tribulation that comes upon them they persevere in the iman they persevere in all the things that came before they persevere in their empathy for humanity and the poor, they persevere in their ibadah, their acts of worship, and they endure, and they keep, and they're happy, and content, and Radi with Allah ta'ala throughout. Ulaik sadaku, such people who do all of the above, they're truly the ones who can be called the ones who are true, emblems of truth, beings of veracity. Wa Ulaika and these people are what? they are the people of Taqwa. So Siddh and Taqwa, Siddiqeen and Muttakin. These are the two greatest ranks of the believers. So this whole ayah begins on the concept of what is Bir, starts from Iman and ends all the way up into Sidk and Taqwa. Okay, verse 179. Wa fil hayatun ya albab So I'm not going to talk about all the laws of qisas, but qisas is basically Islamic criminal law, uh, especially uh, the punishments for murder and maybe and, and other offenses. Now, here Allah prompt use a very interesting phrase. Fil Because qisas can include the capital punishment. Hayatun is actually life. O oh, people of understanding Lub means a sublime subtle understanding which is beyond just mere intellect and rationality and there's a notion here that the criminal punishments are deterrents and actually the, the punishments create life create safety create justice, create sanctity by serving as deterrents for foul and evil behavior so outwardly, apparently, if you take it to the ultimate level of capital punishment, is taking a life. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying is therein you are actually preserving the sanctity of life, Hayatun. And you are giving life and sanctity and safety to the community. So I wanted to highlight this verse simply to underst- for you to understand that the Islamic laws, the Sharia, is not some barbaric Naudh Billah. Code of some ancient civilization The Sharia is the most Noble, pure, just Fair, equitable, humane Way of life on earth and that was guided to us guided and we have been guided to it and taught it. And it has been revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the being of infinite knowledge, infinite wisdom, and infinite mercy. And then it was practically lived by Sayyidina Rasulullah, who is Rahmatul Alameen, who is the being of mercy for all the worlds. So ultimately it's a path of purity and mercy and nobility and justice and fairness and compassion. And that is the real understanding. and all of of that brings about hayatun, brings about life for the community, will bring spiritual life to humanity. That is what Sharia is. Now verse 183 uh, to 185 is going to be about Ramadan. All right. So this is you can consider this the Ramadan here for tonight. Ya la tattaqun that oh you have iman. Fasting has been prescribed upon you in the same manner in which it was prescribed upon those who preceded you. La so that you may finally attain taqwa so one aspect of this is that there's a sense again of a greater spiritual community of a continuing humanity that we have a nisbah and a connection with previous religious communities who followed religions and prophets revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they also had it was a different kind of fast but they had elements of fasting in their acts of worship and the same way that they benefited from those fasts we also are going to benefit from those fasts and the goal of fasting is taqwa and you're often I have to keep the goal in mind whenever you do anything. So it's not, you know, sometimes people, they just fulfill the fast in order to fulfill the duty. That is, Farad, I did it. Right? now, it's not enough just to fulfill the duty. There's a vision, a mission, a purpose, a goal, an objective. The fast is not an end in of itself. The fast is a means to the end of taqwa. And if people view fasting as an end of itself, then this is why Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said hadith, that some people, they will only get hunger and thirst from their fasts. So in order to get taqwa, it means we have to abstain from... Immodest behavior We have to abstain from bad Refrain from bad character We have to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have to obey Allah wa ta'ala. We have to follow the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah The fast will enable us to do so The fast will give a boost to do so The fast in of itself uh, Is not complete taqwa But the fast is a super boost For us to get taqwa Ayyam Ma'dudad And this month of fasting will only last For a limited number of days which all of you know, the 29er, 30 days. Alright, then now skipping to verse 185. شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ القرآن. The month of Ramadan is the month in which al Kareem was revealed. So the ulama have taken this in multiple ways. One is that was... When Allah Ta'ala revealed the Qur'an al karim on Allah mahfuz was that also the month of Ramadan? Now those who get a bit sort of scientific, so to speak, about it, would say no, because the month of Ramadan, it's a lunar month. So for a lunar month to even exist, you must have the solar system and the earth, and its orbit and the moon, and its orbit around the earth. And Allah Ta'ala created Allah al-Mahfuz, and the Qur'an is pre-eternal, and the Qur'an was revealed on Allah al-Mahfuz, even before the solar system was created. So the second aspect of the revelation of Quran Is that Allah Ta'ala is first Revealing the Quran Unto the heart of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu So that was done in the month of Ramadan That was done in the month of Ramadan And you know for many of us It's kind of the same thing That we're distant from Quran And for many of us If we say what was the first time in your life That you really connected with Quran What was the first time in your life You are really inspired by Quran For many of us the answer is Ramadan and many of us, we rebuild and re-establish that connection in Ramadan. And Sayyidina Rasulullah, himself used to recite the entire Quran to the Angel Jibril and listen to the recitation by Angel Jibril in the month of Ramadan. So it's very important. This is why, although I initially announced that series, which was du'as from the Qur'an, I also wanted to, you know, bring out some of the different verses of Qur'an al-Karim. Because we should try our best in Ramadan to recite more Qur'an, to understand more Qur'an, to share and spread more Qur'an, to memorize more Qur'an, to feel more Qur'an. And this this is our month in which we will especially uh, connect with Qur'an. But look immediately after what Allah say Hudan linnas. Quran al kareem is not just ours, it's not just for the mu'mineen, the muslimin. It's hudan linnas. What did you have earlier at the start of Surah Baqarah? Hudan Muttaqin. So there's one aspect, one level of hidayah in the Quran that is khas, that is special for the people of taqwa. But there's another aspect of hidayah and guidance on the Quran, the linnas, that is for all of humanity, for each and every single individual person in humanity for all times. Allahu Akbar and that's why the Quran is ultimately a book of humanity in addition to being a book of iman and a book of hidayah وَبَيَّنَاتٍ huda الْهُدَى Furqan. and the Quran al has clear proofs from guidance and it is the decisive criterion that will establish what is virtue what is vice, what is right and what is wrong what is true and what is false now I'm going to go forward to the end of this verse so if you look at the very end of uh, verse 185. So Allah SWT says a beautiful thing, and He's talking about the fasting, and there are certain akam or legal rulings of fasting in these two verses that I'm not going to discuss. But then Allah, SWT, after mentioning those laws and rulings, says, Yuridullahu bikum al-yusra wa la yuridu bekumul os. usr Allah Subhanahu taala acts desires ease for you and he does not desire in any way any form or kind of hardship walitukmilul iddata walitukmilullahu ala ma hadakum wa la'allakum tashkurun so that you should then complete the prescribed period of fasting the entire month. Well you should do takbir, you should magnify Allah subhanahu you should say and feel Allah Akbar. In this in the manner uh for Uh, due to Allah Ta'ala having guided you so this is the feeling and I think a lot of us don't do that maybe sometimes if we feel guided we say Subhanallah maybe if we feel Allah Ta'ala guided us we say Alhamdulillah and all of that is correct but in this ayah Allah Ta'ala is saying that when you realize Allah Ta'ala has guided you you should magnify Him say Allahu Akbar or feel in your heart the Kibriyayi of Allah Ta'ala and I think it's very important because a lot of people they think the Kibriyayi of Allah Ta'ala when we say Allahu Akbar it's just to mean He's a magnificent, mighty, It also means we're saying how... It's, his, it's part of his magnificence that he chooses to guide ordinary mortals like you and me. This is part of the greatness, the wonder, the perfection, the kibriyay of Allah subhanahu wa Taala. This is part of, it, part of his exalted nature. So when we feel that Allah Taala has guided us and it's happening to us in Ramadan, and it happens when we fast and we pray and we recite Quran in Ramadan, so it should often be in our heart, the feelings of the kabir, of magnification, and also the phrase Allahu Akbar. And Allah Ta'ala ends finally that you should have shukr, which means you should appreciate the guidance Allah Ta'ala sent. We should be grateful to the guidance that Allah Ta'ala sent. And then after all this, these 183, 184, 185, three verses about Ramadan, then Allah Ta'ala ends with the beautiful thing, which is verse 186. And now if you really tra- translate the pronouns, and Every single time and when anyone asks you Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, anytime, any one of my Ibad. You can say my Ibad is my creatures, my servants, my slaves, my worshippers. Anytime any one of them asks you, Sayyidina Rasulullah anni about me concerning me, then declare to them, Fa'inni Kareeb, know indeed that I am near. This is all you have to tell them. Allah Kabira. This is the way Allah so what Allah is showing in the Quran is this is the way Allah wants Sayyidina Rasulullah to introduce Allah to anyone who asked the Prophet of Allah about who is Allah. Just tell them I'm Qarib Allahu Akbar I'm near to them I'm dear to them I'm intimately close to them I'm my mercy is near to them my love is near to them my compassion is near to them my forgiveness is near to them my hidayah my guidance is near to them me myself in name, it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his zat in his essence in his intrinsic being and all of his sifat and all of his attributes is qareeb is intimately near And then but that itself would have been amazing. But Allah continues. Ujibu And the second thing, two things, two part introduction. Second part. Allah says, and I respond, I give jubab. I respond to the prayer and supplication of anyone who calls upon me. Ida daan. Whensoever they call upon me. Allah waqabira. Now then Allah Ta'ala says, because I, Allah Ta'ala, am these two things, because I am Kareeb and because I answer their supplications, therefore they, fal yastajibu li, therefore they should also reply and respond and hearken to my call, which is the Qur'an al which is my kalam, my khitab, my address to them, which is Qur'an al which is my call through you, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallam." will yutminu be, and they should have iman and believe in me la Allahumsun, so that they may be rightly guided, they may be led aright all right okay verse one eighty seven I'm just going to pluck out one phrase in here, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about the relationship between married people, the relationship between spouses hun la antum libasun so the women, the wives, are like a garment for the for you husbands, and you husbands, you are like a garment for them. Yeni for your wives. So this is one of the famous verses of Quran. Karim and Allah subhanahu wa taala in one word, libas. In one simple, single word, libas, captured the essence of the relationship between spouses. And the ulama tafsir commented on this a lot. One. As, so one thing they say is that libas, your garment, your clothing, is that which is with you all the time. Because in every true religion there is haya and a person should always remain clothed. So a person, their relationship with their spouse is forever. And that's our teaching of deen. That when 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 other religions say Forever, they say, till death do us part. And in our deen, we say, no, actually, we may part at death, but we will be uh, together forever in the hereafter. So it's literally an eternal union. Second meaning is that clothing can hide a person's flaws and defects. So the purpose of the spouse is to hide and protect one another. Third meaning is that clothing is a means of adornment, of zenith. Right and people wear clothing to adorn themselves beautifully so for a human being to be adorned with beauty they must enter into nikah with the opposite gender and have a spouse and having a spouse brings zenith and brings a beauty to a human being and finally libas is the closest thing to a person and Allah is saying is the spouse is the one you're supposed to keep closest to you and there's much more, but, you know, we have to go a bit fast. But libas, so just one word Allah SWT has mentioned the spousal relationship. Later on, and again you can see this is one of the very long ayat of Quran. Later on in the verse Allah SWT mentions the concept of itikaf, which is to enter in a state of seclusion in the masjid. right? aqifuna fil masjid. So when, uh, and this is specifically for the men When they enter into a period of seclusion in the masjid Generally a person can do this at any time And that is nafil or voluntary And it's sunnah to enter this state of seclusion and retreat In the masjid in the last ten days of the month of Ramadan Hence this topic is coming uh, in the verse uh, A couple of verses right after the verses that were Discussing Ramadan, verse one eighty-eight, Allah Almighty mentions a lot about uh, the financial rights that people have over another. I would just summarize that for you. Uh, in verse one eighty-eight, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling people not to usurp other people's rights, not try to take other people's wealth or property or assets. And all the while, when you know that Allah wa ta'ala is all-knowing uh, and He is all-seeing, right? Okay verse 190 onward so verse 190 onward is the first verses in in the arrangement of Quran Karim and some uh, Commentators also view actually it's the first verse chronologically as well about Gital and so I'm going to mention this. It's it, there's a concept uh, in Western philosophy known as the just war tradition. Uh, so, for example, there's a professor by the name of John Kelsey, and if I remember correctly, his book was even published by Harvard University Press, where he actually talks about the just war tradition in Jewish, Christian, and Islamic traditions. So, there's a notion that there's a particular Type of war that is considered just and that is the war that is actually designed to bring about peace and that's the way I could summarize that for you and you'll see this now in these passages so when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh, that people should fight in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first he says that the first verse on this is you should fight those who are fighting you, so this is a simple concept of self-defense Wala and do not transgress don't take revenge, don't Go beyond repelling the aggression. Don't go beyond removing the oppression. Don't become violent yourself. Don't become a tyrant yourself. Don't become militant yourself. la do. In la Indeed, Allah does not love those who transgress generally, but specifically here, those who transgress the just aspects of legitimate limited war. Anyone who transgresses that uh, will lose the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Will lose the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then if you look in the middle of one ninety one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains a very important thing. Walfitna min al Now qatl, warfare killing on the on the battlefield is something that is very intense and no human being likes it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't like it. Right, but there's something that's even worse and that's called fitna so fitna here means a very intense form of injustice a very intense form of oppression a very intense form of aggression tyranny and that is actually worse that is worse for humanity not just for the believers that is worse for the human race than an act of legitimate warfare alright and if, in you, if you think of this, the most sophisticated political theory in the 21st century about legitimate warfare is saying exactly the same thing that Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed in Quran Al-Karim to humanity 1400 and a little bit more years ago. All right. Then now skip us back to verse 192. What does Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala say here? Okay, so you can't you fight those who are fighting you. Don't transgress, don't do more than repel their injustice. Indeed, their injustice is worse than the act of engaging them in the battlefield, hence engage them. But then what the Allah in one ninety two, fa anintahao, fa And if they desist, if they cease fire, hmm? indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all forgiving, all merciful. So it means even that person who was so that person or group or forces that were committing such tyrannical, oppressive, aggressive injustice, even if they turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and repent of their ways, Allah wa Ta'ala is all forgiving and all merciful. Allah Kabira. So it means that there's always redemption. Uh, in uh, in the mercy and forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all right and then finally Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says had to, because many people they take parts of these verses they pluck them out they don't show the whole passage the whole context luhum You cannot understand 193 without first understanding 190, 191, and 192. luhum And engage them on the battlefield. hatta لَا تَكُونَ Until there is no fitna left. Until and up to only that point and only to that extent that the oppression and injustice is removed. Hmm? وَيَكُونُ الدِّينُ لِلَّهِ And remember that deen is only and only to be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Deen is only to be devoted for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Means you must only engage in this for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Only to the extent that he is permitted. Only according to the many guidelines that are in many passages of Quran. And the hadith of Nabi alaihi wasallam. Right? And then again Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says... فَإِنِنْتَهَوْا And if they desist, if they stop, if they cease, فَلَا أُدْوَانَا You should not even have any enmity and hostility towards them. إِلَّا Except for those who continue to do zulm, continue to be unjust aggressors. So then... Fala udwana means that first Allah Ta'ala mentioned that He will forgive them, and then now Allah Ta'ala is telling the humans who are justly trying to eliminate their oppression, if they succeed and the oppressor desists, Fala udwana, that you also should not have any hostility to them, except only those who are dhalimin, those who persist in the oppression. So 190 to 193 is the first and foremost passage on this topic in Qur'an al-Kareem And all other passages of the Qur'an will be understood in, you know, intertextually in light of and alongside these passages 197. 197, I'm skipping now to 197 197 talks about Hajj And I thought that was important to look at And it's an important thing that Allah ta'ala. Very in the very first large surah, surah Bakara. And after surah Fante, Allah Ta'ala talking about Ramadan. He's going to talk about haj. Hajj. Al Hajj ashhurun That Hajj are particular months. well known particular appointed months that are known and whosoever undertakes in those particular known months the journey of Hajj three things they should not do fil Hajj. now this is a commandment specifically for Hajj but it's also a general teaching for us it can it can also be something that we use in this month of Ramadan. It can also be something we use generally. That if a person wants to undergo a transformative experience and turn to Allah Subhanahu, wa ta'ala, whether by the journey of Hajj, whether by fasting the month of Ramadan, or just on their own in some way, then there are three things Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says. So on the journey of love, the actual journey of love, which is Hajj, or any time you want to journey on the path to become closer to Allah Subhanahu. Wa ta'ala, Right? Uh, they are things that a person should stay away from. So, la rafatha, so here, for the person who's in ihram, who's on hajj, that means they should abstain from lawful relations. For other situations, it means that a person should refrain from every unlawful relation. Alright In other words A person should always refrain From unlawful relations And in this particular state of ihram Like earlier Allah Ta'ala also mentioned The particular state of itikaaf A person should abstain from Lawful relations Now other religions they misunderstood this and they thought that a whole life should be spent in celibacy and so the Roman Catholic Church, Hindus and so these are the two largest religions along with Islam. Islam, Christianity and Hinduism are the three religions on earth that at least claim to have one billion plus adherence. So in our deen there's no concept like that yes there's only two, two cases and that's only for a very limited time The last 10 days of Ramadan, not for everyone, but only for those men who sit in sunnah itikaf in the masjid. Then for them, in those 10 days, uh, they will not have lawful relations. And then in the month of Ramadan, for anyone and everyone who is lawfully in a nikah, for part of the day, which is from the Fajr to Maghrib, but not from Maghrib to Fajr, and that was what had come before. And finally then for the person who is in the state of ihram so what happened was there's a slight element of truth to this and it's equal for men and women equal for men and women that for a very limited very limited short small period of time for maybe it's probably less than two percent of a person's life one would abstain from the lawful spouse relation in order to focus on Allah but this is not meant to be a way of life and there's no concept of lifelong perpetual celibacy in, in Islam. So this shows the perfect etidah, the perfect balance and equilibrium of the true Deen of Islam. Second, wala fusuqah. Fifth and fusuq, in Arabic means an open act of rebellious sin. When a person does a sin, disobeys Allah knowingly, willfully, openly, brazenly, unrepentedly, unabashedly, that's called fiskan and fusook. So obviously if a person's on Hajj, or obviously in a person in Ramadan, or obviously in any state, a person cannot engage in such things. And the third thing, wala jidala, and jidal means to quarrel, to argue, to fight, to debate and there may be you know, certain legitimate aspects to this but they must be done with a lot of adab and a lot of a lot of good manner a lot of ikhlas with sincerity, with humility but in extreme situations like in ihram and hajj even that you don't want to do and again re- if you remember some of you will recall this hadith of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa, alayhi wa sallam that if in the month of Ramadan anybody tries to engage you in a debate you should simply say I'm fasting so the same concept of walajidala that is here mentioned in Quran for hajj is mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet for Ramadan. So that's what, to touch on this so we learn, right? That for moments, for certain hours, not even full 24 hours, we should become so lost in the love for Allah taala that maybe we even forget our basic needs. But at the same time, within those same 24 hours allah ta'ala will then allow us to eat and drink etc so that we humble ourselves and we acknowledge our humanity and we accept with grateful gratitude the bounties and blessings allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us and if we want to come closer to allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala no fusuq, no disobedience and third we cannot argue and have debates with members of creation all right then Allah SWT says, uh, وَمَا تَفْأَلُوا مِنْ خَيْرٍ يَعْلَمْهُ اللَّهِ And eat every single thing that you do of any good. Allah Ta'ala knows it absolutely. وَتَزَوَّدُوا فَإِنَّا خَيْرِ الزَّادِ taqwa. So this is another famous ayah. So means literally adorn yourself and stock yourself up with provisions. But the best provision is that of taqwa. And this is the important part. That you know, many, and so if you take a general lesson for this, many times we're planning for the future, we're thinking, what are we going to do? How am I going to earn? Where am I going to live? But the real stock that we need to acquire and save now for our future is taqwa. Because you know, you you may think that oh, if I get this education, or I have this job, or I have this money, or I have this home, or I do this, then things will be fine a few years from now. No, things will really be fine for certain. A few years from now is if I am muttaki a few years from now If I can attain and acquire and go deep in taqwa That is the best provision for the rest of my life And that is going to be the best provision for my life in the grave And that will be the best provision for my life in the hereafter and therefore, Allah Ta'ala says, and taqwa comes from wakai, it also has an aspect of fear. And fear me, be conscious of me, be obedient to me, ya al al Bab O oh, humans who have lub, O oh, humans who have sublime understanding. All right. Verse nine nine is something I mentioned the other day. That this is where Allah says that when people leave Arafat and Muzdalifah, they should seek the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you depart from the place where the, where the people depart from on the journey of Hajj, you should seek the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So before an act, during an act, and after a good deed, we seek the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alright, this isn't after a sin this is after Hajj, this is after Arafat, after Muzdalifa. so us also when we complete our fast every day we should make some istighfar Yallah, I wasn't worthy to offer you this fast this fast may have had some elements of negligence in it I seek your forgiveness I seek your forgiveness for who I am I seek your forgiveness for what I do I seek your forgiveness for all of my inadequacies my failures, my sins in Allah Ghur Rahim, and this is the motivation to seek forgiveness. Then indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all forgiving and all merciful. In verse 201, Allah Subhanahu mentions this famous du'a wimnham yakulu, Rabbanatina Fid Dunya Hasana. So first, Allah subhanahu wa taala mentioned the the proper dua is to ask Allah taala. And actually, you know, for those of you who attended the very first talk, which was on preparing for Ramadan, I suggested that the adab of dua was to make dua for your akhira first and for your dunya second. But here, actually, we realized that that was mistaken because Allah taala, in the very famous dua, first we ask for. Hasana in the dunya, so it's very important. What we're asking for are the hasanat of the dunya, the virtuous, noble things of the dunya. Some ulama have even interpreted this just to me amal as-salih and deen right? That what is there that is of worth and beauty and nobility and excellence in the dunya, other than the acts that are pleasing to Allah Taala and earn and attract His pleasure? Some have, though, allowed it to mean the lawful and permitted worldly material bounties and blessings of this world. Wa fil akhirati obviously that we want a, all the virtues and blessings and nobilities and excellences of the hereafter. And we beg Allah to save us and protect us from the punishment of the fire of Jahannam. Okay, go ahead to two, verse 206 here Allah SWT there is a long context here and, and this whole narrative up to in the few verses before and leading up to 206 is about a particular individual but I don't have time uh, in this very short abbreviated selected discussion of verses of the Jews to explain all of that but here in verse 206 Allah mentions a motivation and reason why sometimes people sin and I thought that was very important and if it is said to him, and just don't worry for the moment who that him is, because it's a general teaching, if it's said to a person who is sinning against Allah, fear Allah fear Allah desist from your disobedience of him. What happens? Ahazathul is and I thought this was very important because this is Allah teaching us in Quran why a person falls into this delusion why do they commit a sin so izzat, it means sort of vain glory, pride, arrogance, conceit seizes him, overwhelms him overwhelms him and drives him to commit sin to Jahannam, And such a person, they will end up in the fire of Jahannam. So it means that it's not just the nafs and desire. Sometimes a person sends due to pride and arrogance and conceit and vanity. And again, humility is the cure for this. Humility is the cure for this. All right? But immediately afterwards, in 207, Allah Subh'anaHu says is a beautiful thing. If you look at the end, Wallahu ra'ufum bil ibad, and Allah's R'uf are tenderly kind and loving bil ibad to all of His creatures and servants and slaves. Verse 208, Ya ayyuhaladina amanuthkul. Ya ayyuhaladina amanuthkulu fi silmi kafa. O oh, you who believe you should enter silm. So silm means submission to Allah. Subh'anaHu. Kafatan, completely, sufficiently. Walaatat to be uchutawat and don't follow the footsteps of Shaitan in the hukum adu Indeed, he is a clear and open, manifest enemy to you. So, what does it mean, Shaitan? He was on Islam, but not sufficiently. He did have iman, but not enough. He did do ibadah, but it didn't lead to being humble so he didn't complete the mission and because he failed to complete the mission he made that gross mistake so Allah Ta'ala is teaching us here in Quran that it's not enough to be a lukewarm believer to be a moderate believer Hmm? there's a big deception that people have today and it's sort of it's a deception that comes from secularism a notion that you know you have to balance deen and dunya in this strange way that means you have to temper your deen you have to lose your passion in deen you have to be moderate in deen don't go too deep in deen don't go too far in deen don't be so intense in deen don't be so passionate in deen so this verse one verse is the negation of all of this Ya أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمُنُ الْخُلُوفِ السِّلْمِ that oh you have adopted iman you must enter into submission deeply, sufficiently deeply and so this is alhamdulillah and one of the barakat of Ramadan that Ramadan comes to help us make that journey deeper into the Go to verse 212, the end of verse 212 Allah says Allahu hisab. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can bestow upon a person without any hisab, so hisab, one meaning of that is without measure, it also means without any way they could calculate, any way they could fathom, any way they could have planned that risk from coming so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the power to bestow upon people it can mean financial risk, it can mean spiritual risk, it can mean any and all types of bounties and blessings from a place and a manner where a person could never understand verse 213, Allah also talking about humanity <laughs> all of humanity was but one ummah, all of humanity was but one ummah hmm? so what does this mean we're all from the descendants of Nabi Adam a.s. some of the ulama said that this is because it's in the past tense this is referring to original humanity you need the original community from the time of Adam to Nuh they were all one Ummah and then human beings, you know, they multiplied in terms of population, they spread across the earth, and then they ended up in different communities. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent, And Allah ta'ala then sent, uh, raised up uh, from amongst them, prophets who were bearers of glad tiding, and also warners alright so this is a bit of a, if you want and you can look at this verse some more on your own it's a bit about you can think the history of humanity and the history of prophets alright verse 214 in the middle of that there's a very famous uh, you know teaching here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us uh, originally Allah ta'ala is telling Sahaba uh, and then telling through them by extension Quran to every one of us in the Ummah that even previous communities faced a lot of hardship and trial and difficulty. And in fact, they faced so much hardship and trial and difficulty. And I explained to you what those two things were earlier. And zilzila means an earthquake. They were so shaken up at earthquake level. That's the level at which they were afflicted. Hatta <laughs> Rasulu such that that previous messenger and those who believed along with him, they actually said in a state of, you can say exasperation, what? Mata when will the help of Allah Subhanahu finally come? When will the help of Allah Subhanahu finally come? <laughs> Uh. some of the ulama of Tafsir have also mentioned that this may not be referring to a previous messenger but this is actually referring to Sayyidina Rasulullah <laughs> and the Sahaba Ikram in the early period when they were in Mecca before Hijrah Right? Either way, the notion is that even the Anbiya and the righteous believers who are the companions of a Prophet can be tested so much at an earthquake level that they even call out, Nasrullah, And when they reach that level, then immediately Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers, inna nasrullahi That unquestionably indeed, the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is imminently near. And many of the ulama and mashaikh, they would suggest that a person should read this sentence repeatedly. And again, like I mentioned to you yesterday, not read it repeatedly just to repeat the words. But if they're faced with a difficulty or calamity and they don't see any way out, they should read it repeatedly to dwell upon the meanings and keep feeling the meanings and have certainty in their heart then that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help indeed is near and imminent. In verse number 216 Allah Spalta mentions although it's about a specific thing, but a general teaching. And what is that general teaching? It's quite possible that you dislike something, but it's actually khair. It's actually better and good for you. And it's possible that you love something, you're fond of something but that which you love is actually bad for you. Well and knows, wa antum and you don't know. So, this is a very important rule. This is what it means to submit. So, Islam doesn't mean I will study Islam and I will understand Islam, and if I agree with it, then I will follow it. No, there will be things that maybe you might not understand fully. There may be things that you understand partially, there may be things that you understand fully, but after understanding it fully, you dislike it. So this is what Allah is saying, that it may indeed be the case that you dislike something, but it's actually good for you, and there may be some things that you love and you're fond of and you don't want to stop doing them, but they're actually bad for you. And this is the beauty of having Allah in our life, that He... With his infinite knowledge and wisdom, and his infinite mercy and compassion, and infinite guidance, is going to tell us these things. That's why he sends Quran, that's why he sends Sayyidina Rasulullah. And this is what he's reminding of us in this verse. Okay, now if you go up to uh, verse 217 in the middle, uh, again Allah Ta'ala mentioned something that we had done before. Earlier Allah Ta'ala said that fitna was what? Ashaddu min al-qatl. Here Allah Ta'ala will say, Well, fitna do akbaru min al-qatl. So again, it's talking about uh, the legitimate uh, act of fighting oppression and injustice. Why? Because fitna, tyrannical oppression and injustice, akbaru is a greater evil min al-qatl than killing. All right okay verse 219 something similar to what we just did another important rule which is what uh, so that they will ask you to be sallallahu wasallam about khamr and maysir, which means intoxicant beverages liquor alcohol and or really any intoxicant substance uh, and uh, gambling and games of chance and speculation Qul, proclaim to them beloved messenger وسلم, in these two things فيهما, كبيرun, that there is great sin للناس, and there is also some benefit for people so this is a very important thing to understand this what what is muha akbaru min naf'ihima but the sin and the foulness and the profanity that would be a better way to say this the foulness and profanity of both of these things of liquor and gambling is akbaru greater than their benefit <sighs> So this is the answer to, you know, some of these, you know, slightly so called modernist progressive Muslims who like to, you know, whip out the New England Journal of Cardiology in which it was written that a glass of wine a day uh, keeps heart disease away. So we say Allah Ta'ala has already said this in Quran, Wa well, Nas that there is some benefit in it. But its foulness, its profanity, its harm, its detriment, its sin is akbaru, is greater than its benefit. So even rational choice theory would tell a person that if there's something in which the harm is greater than the benefit, you should abstain to it. But alhamdulillah, we don't even need to turn to rational choice theory because we have revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called Quranul I just want to show you one interesting thing here very quickly. If you look at the end uh, of 219 and the start of 220 because I just wanted to show you the, I'll show you this once stylistic features of Quran al-Kareem. Sometimes an ayah breaks mid-phrase. So let's look at this. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says towards the end of 219, كَذَلَكَ يُبَيِّنُ اللَّهُ al-āyāti تَتَفَكَّرُونَ if you were to stop there. Thus does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make absolutely evident and clear to you the verses of his revelations that you may ponder. But the phrase doesn't actually enter there. The phrase continues into part of 220. Ayatilah dunya wal and you should stop there. But when you stop there after fit wal at the akhirah, that's not an eye break. So what's the reason for this? One of the reasons, and that is the reason that is happening here, is for rhyme. So Allah Ta'ala has this aspect of rhyme in the Qur'an And this is one of the majestic aspects of Qur'an It's inimitable literary aspect So for this literary aspect of the rhyme So if you look, this is 219 So if you look at the end of 217 Khalidun If you look at the end of (coughs) Where did it go? Yeah, if you look at the end of 217, it's Khalidun. And if you look at the end of 216, La So, Un, Un. Then that is prefaced and followed by two Eams. So, if you look at the end of 218, Rahim. And if you look at the end of 215, Alim. So, 215 and 218, Alim, Rahim. 216 and 217, 216 and 217 La lamun And khalidun So Eem Eem Un Un And then back to Un Here back to Un and 219 The ending is Tatafakkarun So this is why sometimes These ayah breaks Are based on the rhyme And that is because The Quran is also recited It's qirat. So the Quran Is another aspect to it It's recital And in terms of It's recital uh, Sometimes people Will pause here other reciters who focus more on the meaning they will continue. So when they recite, they will say La Allakum Tatta Fakruunafid Dunya Wal Aakhirah. Some will pause La Allakum Tatta Fakruunafid Dunya Wal Aakhirah. All right. Uh, but this is an interesting thing anyway for when you're studying, especially those who are maybe don't understand the Arabic and so have to study Qur'an through some type of translation. It's something for you to uh, be watchful over because many times the translation doesn't make it clear uh, that the sentence and the meaning is continuing between two ayahs. Here, That's the only time I will show you that. Verse 221. 221 at the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says a very beautiful thing. At the end of verse two twenty one. Wallahu Yadu ilal janati will marknihi. And Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it's after, after a long thing. And Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, is calling you, is inviting you, is doing dawah to you. To what? To Jannah. Allah Ta'ala wants you to come to Jannah. And he wants you to come and attain his forgiveness with his permission. And how does Allah Ta'ala invite? And how can we hearken to that invitation? And how will we get that Jannah and that Maghfira? Allah Ta'ala makes evident and clear and manifest to you the verses of his revelation for who? Linasi. Again, humanity. For all of humanity so that all of humanity يتذكرون, would take nasiha take guidance they would take heed they would benefit from this Allahu <laughs> Akbar again the Quran is the book for humanity alright okay we were taking a bit of time I verse 229 uh, there's a lot of uh, then uh, verses here now on divorce I'm not going to have time to discuss the akam of divorce I just want to show you two things one and 229 at the start And the second at the end of 232 So this is important because this is a set of verses uh, They're talking about divorce In 229 Allah says And I'm going a little bit ahead Two, three words, three words ahead bit maruf, And you should If you're going to retain the spouse After a divorce Then you should retain the maruf. Oh Tasrihum bi And if you're going to release her, then you should release her with Asan. Hmm? So what does this word these words mean Maruf and Asan? Maruf means that which is commonly understood by any decent human being and culture and society to be a proper noble way of behavior. That is called maruf. So sometimes, you know, we used to explain it to our students that the Arabic language is very rich. Uh, Like if you give one dollar you get 140 rupees. So if you give one Arabic word maruf, sometimes you need 10-15 English words to explain it. Right? And that's another problem when you just read Quran in translation because obviously the translator is just going to stick one word in there. You won't be able to properly understand what maruf is. So maruf means that if you're going to keep her, then keep her in a proper, reasonable, noble manner that any decent human being and culture and society would view to be noble. And there's a reason I'm adding these words culture and society. If there is a culture or a society or a particular subculture or some particular family's own culture, whether that may be Indian or Pakistani subculture or some other type of culture, in which, the, their unfortunately, their common sense understanding is not very noble, is not appropriate behavior, that doesn't qualify as maruf. Okay? But if you let her go, اَوْ تَسْرِيْهُنْ بِأِحْسَانِ احسان is the highest level of virtue in Qur'an. احسان is the highest level of character in human behavior. So if you end up parting ways, you should do so in absolute beauty and nobility and excellence. How many people practice divorce according to this rule? How many people stay married in in, in our maruf? And how many people do divorce with asan? So two words to think about. Similarly like that, two words I want to look at in the end of verse 232. For those of you who are joining us today, uh, I just, you know, because I I know people keep joining on different days or listening on different days, so what we do in the beginning is I try to talk about uh, just some selected verses from Qur'an al-Kareem, and we're going to try, inshallah ta'ala, to do 15 juz uh, in this month of Ramadan. And the next year, inshallah, if we have life, we will try to do the second uh, Fifteen, Joseph uh, Quran, and then there's another series that we do, uh, which is on the duas of the Prophet alayhi wa Sallam. Ajmayin. All right, now two words at the end of two thirty-two. <laughs> Remember, we saw that there. You had two words that you may dislike something, and you. It's actually good for you. You may l- love it, and it's bad for you. We had two words earlier about liquor and gambling. That there's nafa, there's benefit in it, but there's itham, there's foulness, profanity, sin in it. The sin is greater. Here again, you have a coupling of words. What? The azka And and again, I'm not I'm not covering the verses that come before this, but lessmal, it's obviously immediately talking about its preceding context but it's also a universal teaching that these are words azka so the believer is not just looking for what's maruf or what's halal the believer is also trying to find the path that is azka that azka which is more tasqia more virtuous and athar that is more pure and allah ta'ala knows and you don't know how many people do marriage and divorce in a way that is azka and atar and has asan, and is even even just the maruf part. The bare minimum is maruf, all right. Uh, and so these are four keywords to keep in mind on when we talk about marriage and divorce. All right. So verse number. Here, there's a lot of marked. I think I marked too much for uh, selected uh, verses treatment. Um, let's skip a couple of things I marked 237 here Allah SWT says that we're sort of the middle of virtue sort of middle, well towards the end of virtue 37. Wa and if you forego, so here Allah is talking about when uh, two people that have a divorce in a particular way and there's this notion of meher and Allah SWT is telling the man that if you end up with a divorce and this particular type of divorce that is being mentioned in these preceding verses, it you have a right to a part of the mayor, but if you forego it, it's even better. Right? Uh, so, this notion that sometimes you will pardon or forego a right that you are entitled to. For the sake of a greater good For the sake of reconciliation For the sake of what? For the sake of asan And the pursuit of azka And the pursuit of atar And now Allah uses another word Akrabu taqwa. So azka, Athar akrabu taqwa. In other words throughout these verses and passages about divorce Allah Ta'ala keeps sprinkling These very intense words of virtue And calling to a path of virtue Azka, Athar akrabu Verse 238 now we're off the topic of divorce verse 238 Half allas salawati salatil wusta that you must strictly preserve and safeguard all of your salawat means the fajr, zuhr, asr, maghrib, isha was salatul wusta especially so what is salatul wusta some of the ulama viewed that to be asr uh, sort of looking at the solar pattern so is in between Fajr maghrib 2 before as for Fajr though 2 before maghrib 2 after it other viewed salatu was to be Fajr, looking at the start of the Islamic day, uh, so the new date starts with Maghrib, so Maghrib is shut before, and the Uhur, Asr to after, so the middle then would be Fajr so either way, uh, we will try to do both, it means that sometimes people neglect Fajr Salah and sometimes people neglect Asr Salah Fajr Salah because they're busy sleeping and Asr Salah because they're busy whatever, working or doing what they do and what you should do what should you do in Salah? Once you have regularly established the salah, safeguarded, lillahi Stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa taala قانتين. قانتين means you know the the closest English words that they use for this is devout, obedient, penitent. It's it's like it, it it's 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 combining zikr with awe that you stand in front of Allah wa ta'ala in a state that you're remembering Him, but you're also humbled in awe of Him, and that's the feeling of qiyam okay the feeling of sajda sujood is qurb the feeling of qiyam is this this sort of devout penitent obedient awe reverence and because both of these are feelings we're supposed to have for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is why Allah ta'ala put both positions inside the salah and this, that's too long to go into tonight, but you know some of the ulama have had a beautiful long discussion on what's the, what's better in your salah to prolong your qiyam or to prolong your sujood, and they, they give so many ar- reasonings for both sides, so both of these positions long qiyam and long sujood are special, and it's important for us to understand that, so again sajda is qorb, you feel intimate nearness to Allah Ta'ala, you say subhanu rabbi, he's my rab. you're pressing your forehead gown, you're feeling close to Allah SWT. and Qiyam is your, you're from the Qanitin you're feeling in awe and reverence but you're standing in love for that being that you feel awe and reverence for so that's the concept of devotion that you're utterly devoted to that beautiful, wondrous, amazing Allah ta'ala who you were humbled in front of him and in your awe and reverence for him all right verse 239 uh, this is one of the verses that is used to establish authority of the sunnah because Allah سبحانه ta'ala mentions first how you should pray in jamaah if you are in a state of uh, war and you fear the enemy uh, and then finally Allah wa ta'ala says fa amintum and when you again Acquire sanctity and security means you're not in that state. Fadkurullah kama Allamaku malam tu kunuta lamun. Then you should remember Allah Taala and pray Salah to Allah Taala in the way that he taught you, and he taught you that which you did not know. Where is Allah Taala in the Quran taught? exactly how to pray Salah, he hasn't he taught Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught the Sahaba so that is proof that the Quran wasn't the only revelation that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam received it's the only scriptural, textual revelation, Kalamullah that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam received but beyond that, in addition to that Allah Ta'ala would send revelation Give meanings and guidance to the Prophet on law which he would teach the sahaba, and that is what me and you today simply know as the sunnah, uh, which consists of the textual reports called hadith. Two forty-two. Thus does Allah ta'ala make evident and clear to you the verses of His revelation, so that you may use your akal alright, so there is a use of the Aql, but the Aql was given to us not to philosophize, the Aql was given us to understand Quran al kareem and anybody who uses their Aql first and foremost to understand Quran, then Allah Ta'ala put Barakah and Blessing in their Aql to perhaps discover the cure for poverty or many other things alright end of verse 243, again Allah talking about humanity Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is a being of tremendous bounty Which he sends upon all of humanity However The majority of humanity La Yashkurun, Are not appreciative and grateful Of the tremendous bounties That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends upon them but this is like a tragic verse This verse is showing the tragedy Of the majority of humanity And this is also an answer to Sometimes people ask this question that, oh, well, If Islam is true, why isn't everybody Muslim Or if Islam is true Why aren't most people on earth Muslim But So it's okay, Our, the Quran doesn't claim that Allah Ta'ala is actually making clear in Quran That the majority of people will not be grateful The majority of people are deluded And deceived uh, by The material world all right, so we should do, we should be so grateful for our Imam We should do so much sugar to Allah, That ya i I would have been more materialistic than any materialistic person. I would have been more secular than the founder of the secu- of secularism itself. Allah you somehow, out of your Rahmah and mercy, your gaze of your Rahmah fell upon me, and somehow you made me have Iman, you made me desezed to, to you, you made me believe in you, you made me have yearning for you, you've given me tawfiq to fast for you and for your sake, you know, this is all you, this is not me, I have, la wa billah, I'm nothing, I have no might, power, capability, ability, this is all you, this is all your Rahmah, this is all your Hidayah, this is all your Karam, this is all your Fazl, this is all your Grace and then when a person realizes the reality of that that's called shukr means to appreciate allah ta'ala completely because allah Taala is utterly completely absolutely entirely responsible through his fazl and karam his grace and generosity for anything that any one of you and me may ever do that is a virtue or a good 245 this famous verse with the concept of kard hasana kar de hasana Mandaladi kardan hasana. That who is it? Who is it who will be the one who will lend to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala a beautiful, noble, excellent loan? For yudha'ifahu? and then Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala will multiply that lahu for their sake, al-afan multiple, manifold times, multiple, manifold times. All right. Uh, so khair Wallahu uh, Yaqbidu wa yabsudu and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone is that being who can withhold, withdraw, restrict material sustenance, and he is the sole being ultimately who can grant abundance and expand a person 's material sustenance and to him you need know, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ultimately every one of you will all be returned two forty seven Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in quran i think we 're almost yes almost there. 247, end of 247. Wallahu yu'ti mulkahu man yasha. Wallahu wasiun uleem. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestows kingdom, His kingdom. So this is very interesting. All kingdom is Allah's dominion, sovereignty in any sense, in any meaning, in any capacity, at any scale. All belongs to Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. He may temporarily bestow somebody and make them the caretaker of that dominion. If it's the head of household or it's the head of state. Yasha, Allah Ta'ala does that to whomsoever he wills, but wallahu Wasiun alim. So know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first I would in English translate the alim. Know that Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is all knowing and his knowledge is all encompassing. Know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all encompassing knowledge. So what it means is that even if you have been temporarily been given any kind of authority over someone, maybe as a parent, as an employer, as a manager, as a civil servant, as a governor, right? As a scholar, anything. That is just a temporary bestowal and actually all milk belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when he temporarily bestows any such authority on any such individual, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is completely... All-encompassing, knowing and aware of how that person carries out, or fulfills, or utilizes or misuses that authority. Okay, verse two forty-nine towards the end. And again, I'm plucking out certain things of these verses. Uh, this is a beautiful, also, concept that comes a lot in Quran but is coming, I think, for the first time here so far. And those people who. They're always thinking It's sort of in their mindset It's in their zan It's in their, you know uh, I mean, the word is zan But it really means that they're certain Uh, They're always It's in their zan It's in their awareness In their consciousness In their understanding They're cognizant Of what? That that indeed they're going to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they're going to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So this is another way Another way of life That everything you do You remember that you're going to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this comes in Qur'an Man That person who yearns to meet Allah That person who desires to meet Allah There's an alim who A couple of years ago he actually wrote a book Where he gathered all of these verses That talk about in All the verses in Qur'an Where Allah mentions those people Who yearn to meet him Who are desirous of meeting him Khair uh, So This, yeah, this is just, this is what I wanted to mention But when they know they're going to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That how many times has a small group Overwhelmed a large one bi sabirin And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is with those who endure And who have patience So what it means is that When they are so certain And con- con- constantly consciously aware And cognizant that they're going to meet Allah subhanahu They get so much yaqeen. They get tawakkul on Allah subhanahu that they even know that a small company can overwhelm a large one. And the last verse we would do for today is the last verse of the second juz, which is verse number 252. Tilka lahi, natluha alayka And these are the verses of the revelation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah ta'ala says that I, in my essence and in all of my might and majesty and attributes, recite these verses alayka upon you. Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa bil haqqi with absolute truth wa inna and indeed you Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu the wa sallam la mina mursaleen So what does this mean? It means Allah Ta'ala was doing tasali. salli uh, Allah Subhanahu was consoling in a sense if you will Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu In what sense? That your people don't accept you as masses of your people your unk, Some of your uncles, some of the Quraysh, some of the Ahlul Mecca, the people of Taif, did not accept you as a messenger. But Allah Ta'ala is saying, وَإِنَّكَ لَمِن الْمُرْسَلِينَ But that's enough. <laughs> that would be enough for the heart of the Prophet that Allah Ta'ala selected me to be his messenger. Hmm? And obviously Sayyidina Rasulullah, because this is a later revelation, obviously Sayyidina Rasulullah knows this, but Allah ta'ala keeps repeating it to him. If you will, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala testifies to the Nabuwa and Risala to the Prophethood and Messengerhood of the Prophet over and over again in Qur'an, and what that means is over and over again across the 22 years of the Seerah, constantly uh, testifying to his Messengerhood. All right. Uh, alhamdulillah wa akhraam ta'wana and alhamdulillah hirham bin anameen.